It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is Samantha Kelly. She's the founder and current president of Fierce Athlete, Inc. She played Division I soccer at the University of Connecticut for the Huskies and is currently involved in competitive rowing. And she has spent the last eight years working for Catholic nonprofits and outreaching to female athletes. She recently graduated with a master's in Catholic psychology and is currently pursuing certification in strength and conditioning and theology of the body. And it was actually through the teachings of theology and the body in the Catholic Church that she has discovered what it means to be both feminine and athletic. To join us is the fierce athlete herself, Samantha Kelly. Welcome, Sam. Thanks. It's great to be here. Now, I say that in whimsical, but you had to be fierce and competitive because you played Division One soccer at UConn. So when did you develop the competitive juices, so to speak? Oh, my gosh. I think in the womb. <laughs> I'm from a very, very competitive family. My dad played college soccer. My mom was a big-time uh, high school athlete. And then I'm one of four, so my two younger sisters played soccer as well. So we were competitive with everything growing up. I mean, with with a lot of mercy, but um, but definitely that was instilled in me from a young age. Well, that competitive desire uh, drove you to become a Division One athlete, which is all-consuming, as we know. And you played five years for the Huskies, and I'm sure there's some big matches, big games, big tournaments. So what stands out in your mind as you reflect back on those five years playing for UConn? Oh my goodness. It was such a, such a blessed opportunity to play for such a prestigious program. And, I mean, it took a lot of work to get there. If anybody knows anything about Division One athletics, like you said, it's, it's no joke. You commit to basically a full-time job, but, um, being a part of such a, just a competitive environment and prestigious program was, was just so blessed. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, you have your, your memories from, you know, playing at, places like Stanford and Notre Dame and these really amazing schools. But, you know, I think the best memories are, you know, day in and day out showing up and, um, yeah, being gritty and competing. And for me, coming back from a quote-unquote um, career-ending injury uh, and kind of proving people wrong. So, yeah, it was just it was such a, such a blessed time, such a hard time, but definitely I attribute it to the person that I am today. Well, you had a knee injury that was, uh, you know, obviously could have really ended your career. So how did you battle back? I know the physical component of that, putting in the time and the therapy, but there's a lot of uh, mental fortitude that goes along with recovering from an injury of that sort. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of sport, you know, is it teaches you just so many virtues, things like perseverance and enduring suffering and you know, it was really out of just love of the game. Um, you know, I, yes, I endured a 13 month knee injury my senior year of high school. And, um, yeah, it required three surgeries. I was told I'd never play again. And really it was three years before I was back to the level I'd been at previously. So it was a long battle. Um, but I loved the game and I wanted to fulfill that dream. And yeah, it was the rehab day in and day out. But, you know, it was also just finding my role on the team. That was something that was, instilled in me um, that I really think kept me going was realizing, okay, yeah, I might not be a starter right now, or I might not 
be able to even play, um, but realizing I was still a part of that team and could could really lead from the bench, you know, could be um, an encouragement to my teammates who were playing, could do things um, on and off the field to help to help them along. Um, and that was something that I really valued about the UConn team is we were a team. And so realizing in humility that my role maybe was different than what I wanted it to be. Um, and ultimately I went on and, you know, was team captain and started um, eventually. But, you know, it was those years of perseverance, I think, that um, just, I mean, apply to life in general. Um, but I, I love the game. That was really it. I loved the game and I wanted to come back. Well, I'm trying to get into your head. When you when you come out of high school, now obviously you have to perform at a high level and you're you're the best in high school. And then you go to UConn where everyone is the best at the high school level. And then you have to form a team at the Division One level. What was the biggest adjustment and what, what surprised you about the Division One game? Oh, just the speed. Man, you, no, you're, you're totally right. I mean, yeah, you come out of your program as the best, but you join a program where everybody else was the best. You know, and I came in injured, so it's here I am, like, showing up as a freshman and injured. Um, and, you know, even when I started playing again, just the adjustment there, it, it was a very physical game. It was a very fast game um, and just intense. I mean, the the mentality – and, I, you know, I've worked with athletes of all divisions, and you can just see the mentality at the Division One level is, you know, you're here for a reason and you're here to compete. And um, that – I mean – Different people were different, but for me, that was showing up every day, ready to ready to really compete. Um, but yeah, it was it was intense in a lot of ways. Blessed to play Ron Meyer chatting today with Samantha Kelly, and we'll talk more about her work with Fierce Athlete. It's an organization uh, that she is reaching out to the female athlete. But she also played Division One soccer at UConn, and that's what we're talking about right now. Uh, the balancing act of being a Division One athlete, uh, performing well in the classroom, and then I'd imagine that soccer is really uh, a twelve-month uh, sport in the sense that in the off-season you're working out hard, so there's not much downtime. But was that a balancing act for you, just to be uh, a good student amidst being a great athlete? You know, it's really interesting. Statistically, student athletes are actually oftentimes better students, and I think it's because you have to be focused. You know, you have you don't have a ton of time on your hands, so you just got into this rhythm and this schedule of um, class and practice and studying. You know, and um, we had really good academic advisors and, and things like that to help us along. We had a really good environment at study halls as, as teams and things like that. Um, but for sure, it was a lot to balance, you know, especially when you're on the road and you're having to take tests on the road and things like that. But, um, yeah, just like I approached soccer with just this dedication, you know, I approached school the same way. And ultimately, I was at, at college to go to school, and that was a hard perspective sometimes to, to balance with. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what I came out with was a, an amazing soccer experience, but also a degree. And so I was just... For any athletes out there, you just have to remember that as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's always a good thing to get that degree as well. You know, all athletes, and they always have someone who's inspired them. It might have been a coach. It might have been a parent, I mean, on the athletic side now. But did you have a mentor athletically that maybe uh, gave you the right mindset to go along with the great physical ability that you have and you took that with, with you during your career? Yeah, probably my dad. Um, you know, I mentioned he was a college soccer player as well. 
But what was really like beautiful, I tell this story a lot, it was really beautiful about my dad, and I relate it to actually to, to God the Father, is my dad in my college career, and this includes travel games, this includes when I wasn't playing, missed four games. And, you know, he would travel across the country to come basically watch me warm up, you know, and just delighted in the game. And he taught me that delight, that delight in being competitive, that delight in being a part of something. You know, growing up, we would be out almost every night just at the soccer field kicking around. And, um, you know, of course, when I when I began to start and play, he still delighted in that. But he didn't love me anymore because I was playing. And he really just taught me that it was a gift to be a part of something. And, um yeah, I, you know, I relate that to God the Father because it's like God doesn't love us for what we do. He just loves us because we are. But, of course, he delights mm-hmm. in the gifts that we have. He delights when, you know, he delighted when I was able to start and, and to really play. Um, but, yeah, for sure my dad. And, and I know, like, you know, some, some dads are notorious for pushing their kids really hard. And I talk to parents all the time, like, you know, you, you have to make sure your sport isn't about you. It's about your kid. Mm-hmm. And there's just this ultra-competitiveness right now in the culture. But my dad had a great balance between knowing when to push me, like knowing when to push me to go try out for this elite team, even though I was nervous and cried, but also knowing when to, like, give me a hug after a game, Um, knowing when was the proper time to talk about the game and what I could have done better versus, you know, really just encouraging me for my effort and for um, what I did. And so, um, yeah, I've just learned a lot from him. And um, it was, yeah, he was definitely – one of the biggest influences in regards to sport. Yeah, and that's a great point. And, and it sounds like your dad did it the right way and said the parents who live vicariously through their kids and push them extra hard to get that scholarship or become a pro, which we know percentage-wise is very limited. But I always say our talents don't define who we are, but what we do. And if there, there is the balance, and coaches need that balance as well. Uh, you know, a, a coach needs to be a psychologist as much as they know need to know the X's and O's uh, of their respective sport. And that's, that's the balance. And it sounds like you were really formed the right way when it comes to sports and allowed you to play free and get the most out of your ability. Blessed to play Ron Meyer chatting once again with Samantha Kelly. And I can't wait to talk on the second half of the show about the organization that she started called fierce athlete. And if you, if you've been listening thus far, uh, Sam was a competitive athlete, and she still is. We're going to talk about rowing in a second, but she played soccer at UConn. And let's talk about rowing. So how did you get into rowing? <laughs> that is a funny providential story. Um, I was actually meeting with, with a nun, um, a sister, uh, just for some spiritual direction, and out of the blue, she just said to me, have you ever considered rowing? And it was like in the middle of me pouring my heart out to her, so I was kind of mad at the time. But a couple weeks later, somebody else asked me, have you ever considered rowing? I'm six feet tall, which is abnormal for a soccer player, but I have a perfect rowing build. And um, I now live in Philadelphia, which is a big rowing city. And, um, you know, a couple months later, I met this woman who actually joined my board and, you know, her daughter's rowed in college and she's like, let's learn to row together. And um, ended up being just such an unexpected blessing. I mean, once you're an athlete, you're always an athlete, you know, and it's it's just been really good for me. Um, Because after soccer, you, you know, you wander and you try to play different things and, but rowing has been something that I've been able to put to you. It's been um, fun, you know, different enough from soccer. I'm pretty beat up. I've had uh, six surgeries for my soccer career. So it's a little bit better and low impact. And, 
you know, God's really used it. It's been beautiful. I met um, a current very, very dear friend um, through rowing randomly. And, you know, at the time she had fallen away from her faith and through our friendship has has really returned to her faith. And so I can see how God has given me this gift of sport, but also used it um, to really bring others closer to him. Um, so it's, yeah, it's super fun, especially like, you know, rowing, you, you row at sunrise. And so you'll be out on the water and, you know, there's steam coming off the water and the sun's rising. And it's, yeah, it's just a really beautiful touch point with the Lord for sure. And it's a great workout, I assume, all that uh, all that upper body work that's going into. Yeah, it actually, a lot of people don't know, it's actually more lower body because you're pushing with your legs. So it's one of the most anaerobic um, sports there is. So basically, you're just in this, like, pain threshold, uh, which gets me which gets me going. Um, but yeah, there's a beauty to it as well, for sure. Well, I'm learning something about, could I call it crew? What is the, what is the right term? Is it rowing or crew? Crew or rowing, either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk about Fierce Athlete Inc., uh, the organization that Samantha Kelly started to reach out to the female athletes. So keep it here. You're listening to Blessed to Play. O Lord, you see how everywhere the winds have burst forth and the sea is convulsed with the great violence of the rising waves. Command, we beseech you, you who alone are able, both the winds and the sea. Restore to mankind the true peace of your name, that peace which the world cannot give, and the calm of social harmony. Under your favor and inspiration, may man return to do order, and having overthrown the rule of greed, bring back again as ought to be the love of God, justice, charity toward neighbor, temperance in all desires. May your kingdom come. May all recognize that they are subject to you and must serve you who are truth and salvation, that without you they labor in vain. In your law is reason and fatherly kindness. You are ever at hand with your strength and your copious power to help man to keep it. Life upon earth is a warfare, but you watch the contest and aid man to conquer. The weak you sustain, the victor you crown. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Samantha Kelly. She's a former Division I soccer player at the University of Connecticut, played for the Huskies. Five seasons dealt with injury, but persevered through that and had a nice career for the Huskies uh, playing Division I soccer. And then she started an organization that is three years old called Fierce Athlete Inc. And basically it's reaching out to the female athlete discovering what it means to be both feminine and athletic. And Sam, I'm thinking through your competitive athletic experience and being around other gals, you felt there was a need to incorporate the spiritual side, but authenticity on what it is to be a female athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as, as amazing and as beautiful as sport is, and you know, teaches us so many lessons with, you know, so many things in regard to virtue and um, so many good character 
um, lessons, but it's also just a very, very broken culture. Um, you know, it's a result of the pressures that athletes face and um, a lot of cultural influences. And so, you know, as an athlete myself, you know, I, I always kind of felt unfeminine because I'm muscular, six feet tall, I love sports. And then, um, you know, I went on to work with athletes for, like like you said in the beginning, about eight years. And just story after story, I encountered women that, you know, were at the, at the top of their game, you know, national champions and were insecure about their bodies or were struggling with, um, serious sin or were questioning their sexuality, all these different things. And it was really through, um, my own formation and pursuit of my faith, but then the, the studying the theology of the body, which talks a lot about the beauty of our femininity and our bodies, um, that I, you know, really thought that, um, women needed to hear these teachings. And I started talking on it and had rooms full of, uh, athletes in tears. And, you know, we're tough athletes. We don't cry. And so I knew I'd kind of hit a nerve. Um, and so, yeah, you know, started this organization, Fierce Athlete, three years ago in an attempt. Well, actually, it was a response, I should say, from the, to the Lord prompting and asking me to do it. But in an attempt just to, you know, tell athletes that, you know, your accolades are amazing, but your, your deepest identity is that you're a daughter of God. And your your femininity can actually be lived out through your sport and your body is good and, and just touching on some of those issues that, that I had been working with and, and continue to work with with women. Well, this is a countercultural message because there's a lot of messages out there that would promote the antithesis of what you're trying to convey. But at Fierce Athlete, you're envisioning a world in which every female athlete knows her identity in Christ and lives a full, integrated life. So this is based on the uh, athlete being a created daughter of God and living that out in a, an environment which a lot of times is promoting sin and a lack of authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a, a steep challenge. Um, you know, especially, I mean, looking at some of the most popular female athletes right now, you know, I think of a Megan Rapino and there's a teaching, a very toxic view of identity and femininity and sexuality and, um, or really it's all about me mentality. Um, and so at a very base level, you know, teaching athletes that, um, it's not all about you. You know, yes, you have been given these gifts, but they are at service of the Lord and, and you, especially as a woman, have a capacity to really bear forth life onto your team and in, in being selfless and working hard and, and things like that. Um, but then yeah, I mean, um, you know, we're, we're not afraid to start some some deeper conversations on some hot button issues, you know, things like body image, things like um, same sex attraction, which is very um, just rampant in women's sports right now. Um, things like disordered eating. Um, a lot of I, I found at least a lot of these issues that women are dealing with just aren't talked about. Um, there's just this um, lack of vulnerability, and so we are in such tenderness and mercy, not pointing fingers really beginning to have some of these conversations. We have a podcast, we talk about them. I, you know, I'm out giving retreats and talks and clinics and, um, yeah, mentoring women, just trying to really journey with them towards, like you said, an integration of, of body, of mind, you know, that psychology piece coming in, uh, and then of soul as well. Now, I don't know the answer to this, and you would be a, a great person to ask the question too, but do you think there's a carryover from this men's sports and there's a the masculine culture and that's being transferred on to the girls at a young age and they're buying into this type of philosophy. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it's starting, 
it's starting to shift a little bit, but if you look at sport historically, um, it's been male dominant. And, you know, women have just, you know, in the last 50 years really been given the opportunity to play sport. But even in the last 30 years, those women, uh, well, I should say the 30 years before that, those women, all they had to look up to was, was men and a lot of male coaches who um, coached women like men. And you still see that. Um, you know, there's a, I think there's a gap in, in just how to coach how to coach women, uh, which is something hopefully we desire to address in the future. But, um, yeah, I mean, men were the role models for, for a long time. And now it's starting to shift where there are some really predominant female athletes that are role models out there. Uh, but, again, I think there's this uh, wrestling that happens between um, can I still maintain my femininity and be athletic? You know, and I, like I said earlier, like I always believe this lie that I wasn't feminine, which is, mm-hmm. which is a lie because I am body and soul. And so I can't actually divide my femininity from the fact that I've been created a woman. Now I can deny it, you know, and you see, you see some of that. You see athletes that almost just deny their femininity and, and almost act like men. Um, but what we really promote is, yeah, you can be intense and you can work hard, but there's also just a natural tenderness to the woman. And so teaching women um, to find that balance, to really be receptive and make a gift of themselves through their sport um, and just understand that they actually are being feminine by playing their sport in such a way. So tell me some of the, give me some examples of those uh, athletes who went through Fierce Athlete, obviously remaining anonymous, but have benefited from it and, and saw things in a whole new light and then had to go back to their respective team or I'm sure they're not embraced wholeheartedly and there's going to be a lot of conflict, but just tell us about how they, they handled that situation. Sure. My dad said on the phone last night with somebody who, um, yeah, is now the captain of her team. I've worked with her and, and, and she's really come to an integrated understanding of, of herself, of her sport, um, of her body, of her sexuality, you know, and she's now captain and, and they've put forth, different mandates on their team, like a dry season, which means you don't drink alcohol during the season. And, um, and you know, she's coming to me and saying, like, we just had all these people break it this, this weekend. And how do I, as a leader, how do I um, lead them? How do I, you know, properly, I mean, they've been warned that there would be some punishment if, if this happened, the whole team was going to have to run, you know, and she's like, I'm looking like the bad guy. How do I handle this? And I, you know, so I was just talking with her through that and just some of the some of the struggles of leadership, if you will, and of actually trying to live this out because not everybody desires to follow it. Um, but I just encouraged her. And I, this is what I say to all my athletes. And this is what I really did because at, at UConn, I mean, I was the only practicing Catholic on my team um, after I kind of had a conversion experience my junior year and really integrated my faith. And, you know, I had teammates who, yes, I could invite to come to Mass with me. And, you know, by my fifth year, I had 13 girls in a Bible study and praying before games at this very secular institution. But then I had the, the girls that wanted nothing to do with faith. And my goal and what I tell women is every player on your team, no matter where they are on the spectrum of faith and of believing what you believe, they should know that you love them. And for some, that is, yes, inviting them to a Bible study. But for others, it's hey, when you're drunk at 3 a.m. and you need a ride home, call me. Because it's those little acts of love that build trust and um, help, you know, because some of those girls that I I did do that to then were more um, open, I guess, to talking about faith or talking about some deeper things because they knew that, that I just wanted to love them where they were at. 
Well, there might be a young athlete turning on the radio and they ran across this show right now and they're tuning in because of the message that you're conveying and they want to reach out and they want to hear this. Where, where could they go? What what help can they get just to talk about it? Sure, yeah. Um, please visit our website, fierceathlete.org. Um, there's an email on there, info at fierceathlete.org. Please feel free to to send us an email. Um, those usually get to me, so I will see that and be more than willing to talk to anybody. Um, if you're looking for some resources, um, you know, we do have this this podcast, the Fierce Athlete Podcast, which our season one, you know, was similar to this, highlighting some athletes, athlete stories and how um, faith really helped them through some struggles. But then season two has been um, just some topic-based podcasts, um, diving deeper into things like uh, failure and confidence and the female cycle and all these different things that the female athletes deal with. So that's a great resource as well. So fierceathlete.org or Fierce Athlete on Instagram or Facebook, and then the Fierce Athlete Podcast. And I want to talk about your the acronym that you have here for Fierce Athlete. It's Femininity, Identity, Embodiment, Receptivity, Catholicism, and Encounter. So are you just getting Catholic athletes, or are you getting athletes from other faiths, or even from no faiths that reach out to you? Sure, yeah, and that's a good acronym. We don't portray those words everywhere because they are confusing, but that's kind of our, our path to integration, if you will. Um, you know, and there's a reason I, I called it fierce. I didn't um, explicitly say Catholic. Catholics in the name. Everything we preach is based off the truth and the teachings of the Catholic Church, because that's where truth lies. But the things that we preach about the beauty of the body and, and, and different things, every athlete needs to hear. And so, you know, we obviously are, are reaching Catholics, um, but we also reach, reach Christians, and, and our message is being heard in some secular settings as well. Um, so, yeah. Because Catholicism is our foundation, but we really desire to serve um, every every female athlete and just provide a very different perspective from what the world is is saying and preaching right now. Yeah, very good. And for more on Fierce Athletes, simply go to their website. It's www.fierceathlete.org. Our guest today has been Samantha Kelly, who's the founder of Fierce Athletes. Sam, I want to thank you for uh, sharing your your trials and your tribulations as well of being a competitive Division One athlete and now reaching out to the the modern day feminine female athlete and making them uh, whole whole and integrated in sport and in life and for doing your part we certainly thank you and thank you for joining us here on Blessed to Play. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed the number two play. Dot com. You could like us on Facebook and hit us up on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Samantha Kelly, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.